0: I'm Bill Stevens. I'm the lead pastor here to Ascend. I can't tell you how fun it is to get to share Christmas with all of you. It is, it's truly, uh, it's sharing. We get to share it together, and and. Uh we get to look together at what it means that God has come into this world and, and, and how much that changed the world. We all get to look at that together. So we are super excited about it. Our goal tonight is that you would walk out of here just going, I'm more joyful than when, than when I came. And look, there's a lot of church services where that's, that's not the case. So tonight we want you guys to just say, yes, I love it. That, uh, that Christmas is tonight and that we get to celebrate it together. Um, here's a couple of things. One, if you are tired and you need to take a nap, I want to give you permission to take a nap, okay? This is the permission that the priest didn't give me when we used to go to midnight masses, Catholic kids growing up. And, uh, and so I always felt like the priest would, would, would find me in the whole room. I'm going to give you permission right now. You can take a nap if you want to. I think the Lord's going to bless you. You've been running through, the you ran through the tape. If you need to rest, take a rest. Here's what you probably shouldn't do. Don't check your fantasy scores. I know there was a lot of football games today. And, and, and here's what the Lord told me. He said, every time you check, it's two less points, okay? So, so if I see you doing that, I might call you out. I might not. But, uh, but, but uh, we, just, we really do want you to have fun. Um, we want this to be a joy-filled celebration for everybody. Now, we recognize something, too. We recognize that this Christmas is a little bit different than past Christmases, that we know that we are four days away from the anniversary of, of the Marshall Fire, and our entire community was rocked by that. I've been talking to our staff about that, that I've been watching, you know, we, we read the, the posts from the A0027 on Facebook or from the Marshall Fire page. People have been sharing their anxiety. There's a lot of anxiety that has been built up and, and anniversaries of grief, those are real. And some of you guys really know that. Those are real. And so I want to first address that before we jump into to what I really want to talk about tonight. Um, when Jackie and I lost our home in the fire, we, uh, within the next, like two days later, we started digging just like everybody else did. And we're digging through the ash and there's no, we aren't finding anything. Everything kind of broke or just, just burned up. And that's, just, we just knew, we just kept digging and nothing was there. Couldn't find Jackie's wedding ring. You know, we just kept digging. Well, in the midst of all of that, Ray Donatucci, a good friend of mine, he's digging in one part of the house and he says, Bill, check this out. And he pulls out an entire camel. A camel that was that was it was Jackie's grandma's nativity scene. This has got to be a hundred years old, and it was and it survived. I mean, the the second floor went in, the first floor went in, the basement everything was gone, and this survived. How did this survive? And then and then he he says he he keeps digging and he says he look, Bill, I found another one, Bethany. Yeah, let's let's show him the one of the wise men. I mean. I don't know if you can catch this on the camera, but he's all charred up, but he's still in one piece. And we're going, what? Now, before you guys say, well, because you're a pastor and that's why God saved the nativity scene. (laughs) Believe me, I would rather him save my golf clubs. But, um, (laughs) but, and then give me the, yeah, the, now this one, you got the head too. This one didn't survive as much. Um, We, the camel... This second camel, the body did, the head did it, and, and, and we're missing part of a piece that didn't come out. So this one's just broken, okay? Now listen, what, here's what Jackie and I could do with this. We thought, do we just throw it away because it's all charred up and beat up? Well, we can't do that, obviously. And we thought, do we clean it all up? Do we polish it and make it brand new again? And we stopped and we said, you know what? We're not going to do that because it, it, it's... It was too representative of both today and 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, there was nothing polished about what happened. God didn't come into the perfect situation. He was the perfect God that came into a really imperfect situation. He was, he came into the mess of a, of a, of a, of a barn or, or the bottom of a house. And he came into the mess of the, the cows and everything. And And Mary had to give birth in all of that. And so in a lot of ways, this is a depiction of that. But we even thought more, this is our life, isn't it? Isn't our life all kinds of stuff that's messed up that we bring in? That You know, it's the the broken camel. It's the charred wise men. I mean, whether it's you guys that are, are dealing with the year anniversary of the fire or it's just anything else that you're bringing in. We know that that's part of just what we bring in in this life, yet we believe that hope was born in the midst of that mess. Hope was born. That God said, I know your circumstances aren't ideal. I'm coming into that. I know those circumstances. I'm gonna come into that, into that world. And hope was born. And so we hope that tonight. That no matter what your circumstances are that you carry in here, and I know that there's some heavy hearts that come in here tonight, we hope that you would all experience the joy that God brings us because hope has come into this world, okay? Now, now, one more quick thing about the fire before I gotta move on. Um, Jackie and I were, were ordering our, our, uh, our gifts for our kids. And you know how when you get, order those gifts and then you, you they, they get that message that says they're being delivered. And then another one says they are delivered. Well, I got one that says they are delivered. And, I, and it said it's, it's out in front of your house. So I went out there into our, in our rental home in, in, Rock, in Rock Creek and there was nothing on the porch. And I went back to the email and they sent me a picture of it being delivered. You guys, no joke. This is the picture. They didn't even have the uh, uh, decency to send a good picture. It was grainy. It, you guys, that's our household. That's what we called it this last year, our household. And and that's a that's a that's a porta potty next to it and and that's our that's our mailbox, the only thing that survived. And and not to disparage delivery people, but man, that's going a little overboard. The fact that he took a picture of it, that's what it's like, look it. I, I, I mean, I, I thought, did you knock on the door and see if anybody was home in the porta potty? <laughs> I went there at 9.30 that night, and it was still sitting there on top of the mailbox. And I'm thinking, man, I mean, we've had to laugh at hard things all year long, and we're laughing right up to the end of this year, okay? Uh, you guys, let's pray together, and we're going to dig into what, uh, what God has for us tonight. Father, we are so thankful for this group of people in here that get to share. We're sharing together. The news of your son's birth and what that means for us today, we're so thankful um, that you meet us. And I know there are people that are moving on to family that's going to be difficult in, in, in the next couple of days. And I know there's people that are carrying stuff that are heavy. And I pray that you would meet us all in the midst of that and, and, and speak to us of the things that that... Will will sink in deeply with us, so that we would come out of here um, even closer to you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. All right, all right. Here's I want to get this started. Um, my favorite genre of movie, in, in in of all the movies that I watch, my favorite genre is war movies. Uh, I don't know if it's because my dad was a was a served in the in the army during the Vietnam War. Or, um, I don't know what it is that drew me to it, but war movies have always been my favorite. Now, before you sit there and go, he's going to do a sermon on war movies on uh, Christmas Eve. No, no, listen, there's one, there's one movie that I watched. It was um, it, We Were Soldiers, that at the end of that movie, it's my favorite of all of them. And at the end of that movie, the, there's one character that was a foot soldier in the battle that, that was the, the movie depicted. But then he came back home at the end and he was a writer and he had to write about it. So he's writing, he's, he's, he's having to write about the heroic things that he saw and he's having to write about the hard things that he saw. And he's going, how do I put into words all of what I saw capturing all these heroic people that I watched? And so at the end of the movie, he's writing this stuff down, and you can see he's sweating, he's tearful. They're showing images of what he saw, and that was, the, that was the end of the movie. Well, ever since then, I have thought about that, what he was going through and trying to put those into words. I've thought about that in light of the four people that set out to write about the life of Jesus. I thought about that with Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and how each one of them sat down to write about Jesus' life. But, but how can they? How do they put it into words what happened on that first Christmas night? How do they put into words how much that would affect our lives 2,000 years later and the people would still be reading that? So I, I picture each one of them, they each give a different perspective. It's actually really fascinating to look at each of the four uh, books of the, of the Gospels of the Bible and, and how each one of them is a little different than the other one. See, Mark, he didn't even want to touch the, the Christmas story. He's he's going, man, I'm just going to go straight to the beginning of Jesus' ministry. So he fast-forwarded 30 years and went straight to his ministry. He's kind of the Cliff Notes version of the Bible. Um, For those of you guys that are under the age of 40, you have no idea what Cliff Notes are. You just just read it online. Cliff Notes, the little yellow book, he's the Cliff Notes version. And so you read that, Mark, if you've never read the Bible before, pick up Mark if you're going to read one because it's short and you can learn a little bit more about the life of Jesus. Matthew, on the other hand, he did it different. Matthew had a lot of Jewish friends. Matthew was Jewish himself. And so, and so Matthew wanted to give the, the Jewish history that came with Jesus' birth. So Matthew is writing about how this is coming from this town of Bethlehem. He's from the line of David. Matthew has given us all of that side because he's saying to those Jewish friends of his, what you have been waiting for, the Savior that you've been waiting for that's going to save you, what you think is from the oppression of other people, but instead it's going to be the oppression of sin in your life. He's saying, this is what you've been waiting for. Here is, the, here is in the town of Bethlehem. Here is from the line of David. In fact, look at how Matthew starts his gospel. He says, he says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, David the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah is the father of Perez, and whose mother was Tamar. He keeps going. He's not going to win any high school essay contests. It was not, it's not a very compelling first statement. In fact, a lot of people will start there and they'll just go, I don't want to read the rest of this. It gets better. If you start in Matthew, it gets better. But to the Jewish people, they read that and they're saying, okay, he's grounding it in Jewish history. Now, Luke, Luke is the doctor. And Luke is one that decided, I'm going to collect up as much information as I can. I'm going to interview as many eyewitnesses as I can. Because I want to get the most accurate, historic account that I possibly can. And so Luke's gospel, he, he's all, all the stuff that we learned from the nativity scene. Most of that's coming from Luke. The, the no room in the inn and the wise men and the, and the angels singing and, and, the, and the manger. All of that is coming from Luke interviewing eyewitnesses and saying, okay, here is the most accurate account I can possibly give. So, so that's Luke. In fact, for any of you guys that watch Charlie Brown Christmas... Linus is actually quoting from Luke chapter 2, and there would not be, it wouldn't be Christmas if we didn't at least get a tiny bit of Charlie Brown Christmas. So here's 10 seconds of Linus. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. All right, all right. So that's, so he's quoting straight from Luke chapter 2. And so Luke is given all kinds of information like that. Now, John. John does it different than anybody else. John writes near the end of his life. He's, he's looking back at it, and he is, he is, gone, he is man, you, you know what he's gone through. He, is, he has gone through Nero. He's gone through Caesar. He's gone through Herod. He's gone through the fall of Jerusalem. John has gone through a ton of stuff. John was the one that walked with Mary when Jesus died on the cross, and he said, hey, will you take care of my mom? So John's walked with Mary through the rest of her life. And so you know he's heard what Luke wrote down, He's heard that a thousand times. And so John could probably give even more specific information about what happened in that birth. But what was weird with John is that he, he didn't want to write about what happened. He wanted to write more about why it happened. See, John's approach to, to writing all this down was so different. Listen to what he says in John 20. He says this. This was way later in his gospel. He says, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. See, he doesn't want us to just know the story. He wants us to believe the story. He, he knows that many of us will know the story and you've probably heard it, you know, if you've been to church 50 times, you've heard it 50 times at Christmas, you've heard it 50 times. He doesn't want you to just know the story. He wants you to believe the story. And so he's, he's writing so that we would not only just get information, but that we would let that sink into our hearts. And so you can picture it for him. This is where I go back to that movie and just go, what was it like for him to put into words? You can just picture John just going, how do I put this into words? How do I, how do I put into words what happened on that first night, that first Christmas night? How do I put into words Jesus, his, his, he was a great teacher, and I could, I could write about all the things that he taught us that, that, were, that we were, he talked about servant leadership, and he talked about suspending our opinion to lead with love, and he told us all about that, and he showed us how to do that. And he was a great teacher, but he was so much more than that. How do I capture that? How do I start that story? He was, he was so compassionate. He was so loving. He was so filled with grace. That time that that woman grabbed onto his cloak and he turned around and, he, and, he, and, he, and, he, and she thought she did something wrong, but with great compassion, he just said, woman, you are healed. When he looked at that woman at the well and, and, he, and he just, instead of condemning her for her past, he just, he just loved her. You know, how do you talk about that? How do you talk about, his courage, how do, you, how do you capture that in a moment if I'm gonna write about what happened on that first night? How do you capture his courage when he stood before Pontius Pilate? How do you capture his courage when he walked into the, 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 the group of lepers while we were so afraid to even go near him, he walks up to him and he gives him a hug and heals them? How do, we, how do you capture that courage? And I'm not even talking about his miracles. When he changed, when we were at that wedding, and he's and we're drinking that wine, and the wine runs out, and all we're drinking is water. How embarrassing is that for the host? That it was just water. But then he turned it. He turned it. He turned it into a box wine. He turned it into the very best wine I've ever had. How do you capture that? How do you capture when we thought we were going to die on that water, and instead he calmed the storm? How do you capture when we were all around Lazarus when he died, and three days later that crazy Lazarus walks out of that tomb? How do you capture that? And, and, and I haven't even come close to talking about a cross and a death and a resurrection. He died for the carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders. And talked about when he appeared to Thomas, and Thomas was doubting like crazy, and, and he says, and I, he didn't condemn him for his doubt, he just says, just believe. And, and when Peter was so afraid to see him because he had denied him, he didn't condemn him for that. He just said, just come, let's go love the world together. How in the world do I write about that and help people to not just know it, but believe it? So you can just picture him. You can picture him as he's sitting at, you know, this desk at a desk. You could just sit, picture him sitting there you can picture him start to, to write something out and he's just going, he was such a good friend. And you could just picture him going, no, 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 that's not going to convince anybody years later. How do I say it? He was born of a Virgin Mary. No, 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 that's what Luke said. How do, how do I capture it? How do I, how do I take all of what we saw and all of what he did, and all of who he is, and help people to believe it. I could picture him just going, "God, give me the words." And then, in a moment, I could picture him just looking at the light that was giving him enough light to, to write, and him just going, "It was that." He he was light. In all the darkness of our lives, he was light. And, And that light, that light was life.
1: A seeker for a light in a dark world, and I look for truth, but settled for lies. I had been blinded, I couldn't see. till a star in him sky opened my eyes. I have seen the light Believe that he was the one, and I can believe it, and I know it's true. He's changed my life.
0: Oh my gosh, you guys. Okay, so I got to give you a little backstory on that. Um, um, Whitney and I were talking about a song to sing at this point, and, and she said, Bill, we're, we can't sing this one because it won't work. Uh, she, said, she said, I think the whole band needs to be part of it. And, and, and she said, it just builds too much. It needs to be more than just me. And, and and she said, let's just go back. There's a piano back behind this curtain. She said, let's go back there and, and I'll just show you. And so she sang it. <laughs> she sang it. And uh, and no joke, you guys, she finished the song and she looked over at me like, see, it's not going to work. And I am bawling. I am bawling. <laughs> I'm going, shut up, Whitney. We're going to sing that song. And it's beautiful. So thank you. Thank you, Whitney. And do that again. That is unbelievable. So good. So good. Here's, here's, what, here's what John wrote, okay? He's, he writes this. He says, in him was life. So remember, he's writing this in past tense. He's looking back. This is near the end of his life. And he's going, in him was life. And, and, and that life, again, past tense, was the light it was the light of all people. It's like he stopped and said, it's not just the light for religious people. It's not just the light for the people that come to church every Sunday. It's not just the light for the ones that are good prayer people. It's not just the light for, for somebody that has no doubt. It's not the light for somebody that, 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 that doesn't stray away from God. It's the light for all, all people. And then he turns it to present tense because now he's saying, and, and now I'm looking at it today. I'm looking at it tomorrow. I'm looking at it 2,000 years later when you're sitting in an old Sam's Club. I'm looking at that. And he says, and that light shines. It shines. I mean, he's, you can just feel the conviction as he's writing that. That light shines. It shines today. And he says, in the darkness and the darkness Did not overtake it. The darkness couldn't overtake it. Now there's other translations that say the darkness didn't understand it. I like both of those. It didn't overtake it and the darkness couldn't understand it. Now, when I was working on this talk, I'm, I, I was talking to Jackie about it, my wife, and because Jackie is my great editor, and, and she's the one that gives me any wise words to say. And so um, I was talking to Jackie about it, and, and I just said, Jackie, I just don't want the, my Christmas, this talk that the Lord has given me to give, I don't want it to just fall on the carpet. I don't want it to, for people to just go, okay, okay, whatever, light in the darkness, now let me, can I go home? And I'm going, how do I? What do I do or what do I say that helps it to stick a little bit more? And she's going, well, one, this is word from the Lord, so it's going to stick. And, and, uh, and she, said, she said this, and I thought this was pretty profound. She said, maybe we, just don't, maybe we just don't fully understand it. Maybe none of us do. And maybe that's why it would fall. Because we just don't understand it. We don't understand the darkness and, and we don't understand the light. Maybe we don't understand the darkness of of pain and loss and grief and loneliness and anger and disappointment and disillusionment and and frustration and sadness and and hurt. And maybe we just don't understand some of the darkness. But I'm going, man, I think maybe we do. We just just don't call it darkness. But that's all those kind of shadowy places of our life. And we, we all feel them and have them. So maybe it's we just don't understand the light, the light of life. That, that speaks to the very edges and corners of every bit of every one of us. And we just don't fully get that. Maybe I don't fully get that. Well, as I thought more about that, I'm going, well, here's what I do understand. Here's what I do understand my life. I understand this. I understand when I was 10 years old and I'm laying there in bed and I'm looking out the window and my dad has put those big C9 bulbs across the top of the, of the, of the, uh, of the outside of the house and I'm looking at those colorful bulbs, and I'm, and I'm just laying there, and I'm going, all is good. And there was a calmness on my heart. I just, I remember it like it was yesterday, going, mom and dad are in there. My brothers are in their room. My twin brother's in my room with me. All is good. I just could see those lights like that. And, and it, it was made such an impact on me that that's what I do with my kids now. I put those same old school C9 bulbs around every one of our windows. Because I want them to just, I want something about that to remind them that all is good. Well, I tell you what, if C9 bulbs when I was 10 can leave a memory for me 43 years later, what's the light of life doing in our life? What's the light of life doing that would give each one of us a peace that we might not recognize or that we might not would think that is possible in the situations that we have in our life and say, no, no, I've got you. That's the light of life. And I don't know all about that light, but I do know that when I was younger, when we would go to the movie theaters, it's not like you go now where the, all the stairs are all lit up and it's, it's easy to see the row that you're in and you've got a perfect seat that you've reserved. Back then, man, it was pitch black in the, in the, in the, in the theater. And you'd walk in, and you're stumbling over the stairs, and there's that one extra long step, and you didn't expect that one, and you fall over that one. And then it's a guarantee if you came late for the movie that you're going to sit on somebody. You're always sitting on somebody. You couldn't see what you were stumbling over. But then we waited for our, our eyes to adjust to the darkness, but really what they were doing is your pupils were just getting bigger, trying to soak up as much light as you can so that you can see what you're stumbling over. If that's what a movie theater gave me when I was younger, what in the world's the light of life giving us and helping us to see the, the things that we stumble over, the things that, are, that, we, are, we, that, that we can easily fall over? And, and instead of that light of life coming to condemn us for the things that we stumble over, that light of life is coming to save us, coming to journey with us, coming to walk with us. That's the light of life. And when you look back at... at when Annie was singing that song, you know, the sun will come out tomorrow. What's she singing about? She's singing about hope after the darkness. And those, those shepherds 2,000 years ago, when they drew the short straw and they had to be the one to have to take the night shift, they were scared to death at night. They lay down their life for all the people, all the things that were coming, all the animals that were coming to steal or to, to, to take those sheep. That's why Jesus says the great shepherd will lay down his life for his sheep. And he's going, man, When they, they laid down their life. And then when that dawn came and the sun came out, man, that was like, okay, we made it another day and there's hope for another day. If the sun coming out the next day, will give them hope. What's the son of God gonna do for us as the light of life in every part of our situation, all of what we're dealing with? And I, I've been around it for a while now and I can tell you that that light has pierced the darkness. And in piercing the darkness... That light can take our anger and shift it to forgiveness. That light can take our sadness and illuminate joy. That light that pierced the darkness can take our our fear and give us a peace that's beyond our understanding. That's the light of life. That's what John is trying to write about when he says, this is how it came about. Now, I know there's some of you in this room that you're just going, I relate so much more to the darkness didn't understand it than the light of life. I know that there are some of you that are in that place. And let me just tell you, this word is for you too. It's okay. This word's for you. That love that God has for us is for you. You. That that hope that he has for us is for you. That peace that God has for us, it's for you. Remember what we said? It's for all people. Even when you say, I don't understand it one bit. It's for all people. Those angels came out and they sang glory to God in the highest and on earth peace on whom his favor rests. Well, who does his favor rest on? John writes later in his gospel, he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. It means he's looking at each one of us. And he's saying, this light of life is for you. And so when we look at that this Christmas, and we look at the nativity scene, and we look at all of the things that Luke wrote about, and this messy, broken, charred, the the camel that you can't even glue back together. He's looking at our life, and he's saying, light came into this world, and that light is the light of life. And it shines right now in that darkness that sometimes you can't even feel like you can glue back together. And and John is saying, I don't want you to just know that. I want you to believe it. Father, I pray that, that this Christmas you would take all of us in every part of who we are and all the things that we have dealt with and all the stuff that we carry in here. you take our doubt and our questions and, our, and the, the things that f- make us feel like we're so separate from, from that message. you take us in where we, where we see, uh, where, we, where a lot of times where all we can see is the darkness. God, help our eyes to adjust to see your light shining. And may even in the most shadowy places of our life, may we see and recognize that you are life and your light shines right now in our life. And for that, Lord, we are so thankful for this Christmas night. It's in your name we pray, amen.